Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. So many of us, we, we excel in certain parts of our lives and we fail terribly in other parts. And that's not what I define as a true professional. A true professional excels or tries to excel in every part from the way they talk, the way they dress, the way they walk, the way they present themselves to others the way they help create other leaders. So that's the bigger goal that I would want. Because I feel like in today's time, we only get a piece of the pie. We only shoot for a piece of the pie instead of the whole pie. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers. And each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears and let's get into this. Come on. All right. Welcome to part two of my great conversation with Super Bowl champ and author Chris Hope. Hope you enjoy part one. Here we primarily discuss his Hope Academy, uh, his big vision, what I what I call his legacy play. And at the Hope Academy, he's hoping, uh, pun, pun intended, <laughs> he's hoping to teach young athletes how to be professionals on and off the field, teaching things like interview skills, proper suit etiquette, proper diet and health, really all the things that young men should be taught, but are not typically. And his premise for all of us that are not athletes is that we should be professionals on and off the field of play. And I think that's a great reminder. We all have a field of play and we should all be professional in all aspects. He talks about why be great as a friend, but a horrible spouse. It makes total sense. And um, I love, I love the concept of the, of the Academy. And then the second part is we jump into, uh, some 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 wild and craziness with yes or BS. I asked him some some uh, <laughs> some interesting questions. <laughs> so you guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, part one. Please check out part two. Close your eyes and open your ears, and let's do it. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about your uh, Hope Academy. I know that's your big vision for yourself in the future. Tell the people a little bit about it, what you hope to achieve, and where you are along the path there. Because I, I heard you talk about this in an interview maybe about a year ago. My name is Chris Hope. It's only nine letters, five in the first, four in the last. And they have found a way to shorten my name even more. They used to call me by my jersey number, whether it was 24 or 28. And some people called me C Hope. So my foundation, the I C Hope Foundation, came from the C Hope part. You know, my sister and my cousin, we all sat and meddled and, and kind of brainstormed on what my foundation would be called. And it says, I see hope. I see hope for the future. So that was amazing. Fit my name, went well. And we do a lot of stuff, particularly for my hometown in Rock Hill, South Carolina, because I've explained that as athletes, we play in a city. We get so burned out from helping the community that we play in that sometimes during the off season, 
we just want to get away, get away, get away from all of it. And just, we forget where our seeds can grow the most, in my opinion, where people saw us, experienced us, and then you can give them hope. So my biggest goal, my biggest dream, if I could have anything that I desired, I would open up the, the Hope Academy. And that's how to operate professionally for everything. Because so many of us, we, we excel in certain parts of our lives and we fail terribly in other parts. And that's not what I define as a true professional. A true professional excels or tries to excel in every part from the way they talk, the way they dress, the way they walk, the way they're on time, the way they, they, the way they present themselves to others, the way they help create other leaders. So that's the bigger goal that I would want because I feel like in today's time, we only get a piece of the pie. We only shoot for a piece of the pie instead of the whole pie. Example, as athletes, in today's time, you have so many different avenues to, to train. You can Google LeBron James train. You can Google everything you want to do from every professional athlete because it's, it's content on the internet for you to find it. But you can become this great athlete, but why didn't you Google the interviews? You know that, that's, that comes a part of it, right? You need to know how to articulate and, and present yourself to be able to be the face of this organization or the face of the league. Why are we still having professional athletes that don't understand how to have, a, have an interview? Doesn't make sense to me. You know, how do we continue to fall in the same traps over and over again? They tell you, they give you statistics of how many people will go broke after this. Why do you think you're the only one? When you guys are NFL rookies, don't they have like somebody come in and give you guys a presentation on finances? So, so the, the issue with that, and maybe you can see it differently now that I explain it. So first of all, it's the timing. We have those events when it's either after practice where our minds are already gone because we're ready to go. Yep. <laughs> and the people they present don't relate to us. You set a financial guy in a business suit and a tie. Yes. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yep. Don't come from my background. Doesn't relate. I can't connect. And then when you do send somebody that has walked in our shoes, you send the different extremes. You send one that's extremely bad. So you say, nah, that's not me. I can't relate to him. And then you send one extremely good. And he's too far for you to connect to. Like, for example, if you bring Peyton Manning to the football camp, how many quarterbacks going to say they can relate to Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Tom Brady, 10 Super Bowls. I don't know if that can happen. But, you know, I get your point. You're trying to bring me to the top of the top. Don't think I can be Tom Brady. But I'm not Brian Lee. You know, I'm not, I'm not the boss. So I can't hear his story. And then Brian Lee is going to tell you all the things that he did wrong for his drugs and alcohol. And you're like, nah, that's, that's not that's me. That's not me, so right. You need to find a guy in the middle of the road that had ups and downs, highs and lows, that maybe wasn't a first rounder, that wasn't always peaches and creams. He had to earn his keep. He had to work his way into the position that he was able in. And now you can get somebody with a realistic story to they can connect to. Because if you go get Pac-Man Jones, I'm going to say, well, I'm not crazy as Pac-Man Jones. I don't care. Could be just as crazy, but I'm not, I'm not going to admit to that. So I think that has always been the issue, in my opinion, 
of why they don't reach us. And also to your point, I find it quite curious that they put this in after a practice. It's almost like it's an afterthought, like it's rushed. Because if you really want to impact somebody, you'd set them up for success, right? You'd make it maybe two weeks before they even arrived to training camp or make it, you know, you have, you know, hour sessions throughout the season on your day off or something like that. You know, so it's clear to me that it's probably not a priority. It's almost like, uh, well, we should we should be do, we should be doing this, so let's do it. But to your point, and I didn't want to get I didn't want to get off the point, but this is where the Hope Academy would come in. Right. So it's just a something that's checking off the list. I gotta check off the list. But this is the things that Hope Academy like. I would treat it just like a business. Your body is your temple. Your body is your corporation. What you put in your body will eventually cause you damage. When it, what you eat in your 20s and your teens, you'll pay for it when you turn 40 and 50. That's, you don't get a new body. You get one. This is your corporation. You tell me how much the value is. You give me the value of your corporation. So just small stuff like that. You know, teaching the fundamental, not just X's and O's and how to run faster, how to get stronger, how to jump higher. All that is, that's going to take care of itself if you truly love what you do. But let's talk about how to do interviews. Let's talk about how to dress. Let's talk about how they see you. Regardless of how well or, or fast you are, I'm going to tell you what they see when they look at you. Now, some people slide through the cracks, but trust me, the minute you can't run as fast, the minute you don't jump as high, all those gold teeth, all that hair you have, that will be brought up. Trust me. They may smile on your face and say it doesn't matter now because you're young and you're catching touchdowns or you're jumping over the rim. But there will come a day where that will be used against you. So why not get in front of it? Get in front of it. Yeah, proactive versus reactive. Let's be a pro. Let's be be pro pro. and be proactive. Right. Proactive. And that way, you'll make, like an older guy told me when I was with Pittsburgh, I want to make so much money to when that guy tells me, the owner of the team tells me that my services are no longer needed, I'm going to shake his hand and say, thank you for allowing me to make all this money. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to live my best life after I'm done. Right. Or, or the, the other one is, he, he says, your services are no longer needed. You shake his hand and says, neither are yours. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good one. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. You want to be prepared. It's funny. We talked about, we mentioned LeBron James. I noticed how he got better over time interviewing. And I know that that came from, he. I read about, he hired someone. He hired a, a PR firm to just work with him, you know, work with him on interviews. And it's it's just one of those things that, you know, when you first get into the, into these professional leagues, you're really just focusing on that part. But it, it it would be fantastic, and I like how you you couch it. It's about being a professional. You're a professional athlete. Be a professional in other parts of your life. And the other part you didn't talk about was family, right? How do you be a professional husband if you're a husband, or how do you be a professional uh, a, a boyfriend or or son? You know how do you how do you do those things? You know, we all we all are some professional in some type of way. We're all striving to be successful, but striving to be successful is striving to be the best at what you do. There's no in-between. How you do anything is how you do everything. There's no way I can be a professional all-pro safety and I come home and be a terrible husband. Right. My mind doesn't work. I mean, people do that. All the time. (laughs) I remember when I was in college, you know, at Florida State during my day, the old Florida State, Coach Bowden era, you know, we would win 12 games a year. 
we would be competing for the national championship every year. And I remember my defensive back coach, because he used to check our grades. We'd have to, he would call out every grade you had in front of the entire class, entire, entire defensive back, because he wanted them to know, can I trust you? Can I hold you accountable? And his whole point was, how can you be so great at your sport and have all these absences, have all these fails and Fs? How can you do that? If you're a winner, your mindset is to win at everything. I don't care if you, you know, my wife, I, I know I aggravate her to death, but, you know, folding clothes. I want it perfect. I'm trying to do it perfect, not to the point where it's, it's a, a, an issue or causing illness, but that's my goal. I'm trying to be efficient. I'm trying to do it the right way. I'm trying to show my kids the right way. I don't just tell them about sports and going hard. I go the same way in the classroom. I go the same way with yes, sir, and no, sir, to mom and dad and treat people right. There's no in-between. As parents, and particularly those that have athletes, they are more connected with, a, with their kids' coaches, but they know nothing about their favorite subject. They don't know that science teachers sell phone numbers, but you got all the coaches sell numbers. So it's, it's different in perspective. And I'm saying, well, if we are all trying to become pro, let's do the whole thing. Let's don't, let's don't cut short corners. That's what I think my goal and my the purpose of the Hope Academy is. How far are you away from having that be a reality? The COVID set back a little bit because what I was really on the verge of doing was getting my book on college campuses for athletes of all walks of life. Having it to be like a freshman course or having it to be something that they take. Because as you said earlier, we don't learn about taxes. We don't learn about these things. So you know a kid coming to be a professional athlete, and I think some schools even have it as majors now. This is a book that I think could open up your eyes because I think about how far along I would have been if I'd known some of the things I know now. I wouldn't have... So, you know, we lost our house that I grew up in when I was in college. But just imagine if that house was still there and my mom and may have had a mortgage on it. I would have went and bought that house, paid it off in full, renovated it, allowed them to live there for the next couple of years, save, save their money, keep working. You don't just got to work hard, but keep working. And I get to my next contract. Now I can afford to buy them a nicer house or the house of their dreams. Use that as a rental property. Now they're feeding themselves. Right. They're not waiting on me. Right. Right. The money. rental property is providing them with the income. Now you retire and Uncle Sam got to pay you too. So now guess what you're doing? You meet me on South Beach. I ain't got to fly you to South Beach. Right. Or better yet, I'm calling you and asking you where you're at. And you say, we going to South Beach. You want to come? Right. <laughs> right. That's the American dream. That's what... Yeah. If I would have known what I know now, that's what I would have done. I would have made the tough decision to say, Pops, I like this truck for you, but you're not in the space for this truck. I can pay the truck off, but who's going to upkeep it? I can buy you this nice house, but who's going to pay the taxes? Who's going to keep the grass cut tonight? Who's going to keep the... You can't take the Mercedes-Benz to Jiffy Lube to get the oil chain. You got to go to Mercedes. Right. So those are the things that, again... My personal stories and my experiences and with my friends and people that have played and not just even in the in the sports realms, I would have pastors come in, indulge in the spiritual aspect, because, again, we're nothing without the man upstairs. I would have professional speakers come in, entrepreneurs, just the whole nine of how you can get the whole toolkit, not just learn how to backpedal, 
not just learning how to dunk the basketball, not just learning how to hit the baseball, but the whole toolkit to where when you leave out of there, you're a polished individual. And if you don't make it to the NFL and the NBA, you're going to make it in life because the tools are all the same. So you would, you would position this kind of like middle of high school? You know how they have training sessions for kids now where they go to these little gyms like a D1 or these little, these little facilities where they go train and learn how to, you know, hit the baseball or, or learn how to start training physically. I would start at that age from day one. We would start the day off just like a pro schedule. Get there, eat breakfast, pray, stand up, say something confident about yourself. You know, just learn how to, how to, how to be a pro. And then learning how to dress, bring a suit guy in and teach him how to tie a tie, just the whole night. And it would be like a camp to where they would go through the day, but at the same time, they would, they would lift weights, they would stretch, that's important. They would have a, a, a dietitian or nutrition who telling them the things to eat, because again, what you put in your body, you're gonna pay for it, you know? How you invest in your body, you invest in your body, your, your investment will pay off later. Uh, teaching them how to, uh, Watch film, something else we don't learn how to do. We look at games, we don't know how to watch film. You know, we don't, we, we play football, we play basketball, but we can't talk. So guess what you do when you go to the combine? First thing they're gonna ask you is, oh, go up to the board and draw this play. Tell me what you got. Tell me what the defensive end gonna do. What kind of technique he in? Oh, well, I, I just know, I'm gonna say, I'm supposed to be in the post. So you don't know who you're helping, what the weakness of the defense right, is? Right, right. You don't know that. Like, how you been playing football all these years and you don't know that? Now, you can play it, but you can't talk. So those are the things that I, I think would develop the total pro. And it would allow you to also to be humble. I think so many of us, we get caught up into what we see and to what we think it's going to be instead of hearing it, that we become invincible. So many of us think that just because we had a great year because we run fast, because we catch touchdown or, or score 50 points. We think the game stops and starts with us. This game will leave and continue to go on when you retire and gone. So that way, if you know the business mindset of the saying that I signed up to play this as long as God allowed me to play it and I've done what I was supposed to do while I played it. So when I walk away from it, there's no bitter feelings. There's no uh, resentment. I'm walking away in peace. I don't have any negative feelings towards anything about the game, I'm good. I think that helps. Yeah, and also I think, you know, in terms of just giving them perspective, meaning, yeah, this person, I, I used to like to do this talk with um, like Shaq and Jordan. I would put up Jordan's, you know, amount of money j that Jordan made throughout right. his playing career, and then I put up the amount of money that the Chicago B Bulls made revenue-wise in that same number of years. And you could see it was, you know, it's just – Nothing, you know, they they making billions of dollars. He, you know, he's making hundreds of millions. So it's 10%. It's nothing. And so you get excited about these numbers, but understand what the owners are getting. And what you're really teaching these players or what you're going to teach these players is really ownership. It's really what it is. Ownership, you know, self-ownership, right? Who you are, why you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And I think particularly for our men, it's super important. When I was, um, Coming up, when I was 13, I went through a, a, a male rites of passage. It was a year-long process that took me through some of these same things you're talking about. But I could see how for, for, for people who are, who are not uh, fortunate enough to have parents that are that forward-thinking, something like this could be a godsend. So, um, hey, man, however I can support you in this, I, I love it. When I, when, you, when, you, when I heard you say it, I was like, oh, yeah, 
That's what it's about. Because you're, you're really, you're addressing, it's, it's just like your book. You're addressing a problem, an unmet need that's not, that, that hasn't been met by anybody. And it won't be met by anybody because it's to the other's advantage for it not to be met. I mean, why not have people ignorant? Why not? We, we like it this way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It goes back to your point of why they put it at the end of practice if it was so important. Why that's not a mandate? Why they put it at the end of practice when they know we checked out and hadn't got any positive feedback from it in years? Right. There are so many people that eat off of these athletes that don't know that I'm sure, and, I, and I'm not even intimately involved in it, but I'm sure there's probably a whole ring set up of guys that maybe not in the athlete's best best interest, and they just they just put them in the pipeline. You go to this accountant, this lawyer, this person, everybody's taking a piece, right? And then at the end of your career, you're like, well, you know, why why I got seventy thousand dollars in the bank? <laughs> I made ten million my whole career. What's going on? So, again, you don't know what you don't know, and, right? And if, and if you don't have that that foundational piece at the beginning, and that parent that gives you that foundation, I mean. It's, it's, it's the lost sheep. So yes or BS, I make a statement and you say yes or BS. And if you want to explain why, why not you, it's up to you. All right. All right. Number one, children owe everything to their parents. BS. <laughs> I think we've just talked about that. Yes. I think, I think uh, that's what we're, we assume. And I think if a, if a kid grows up trying to do that, he's going to fail consistently and constantly and he's going to feel empty because no one can bring someone else happiness they have to find it on their own and you know you think about in the bible uh solomon talks about how you save up and create all this wealth and you leave it to those behind you who have no blood equity in it or sweat equity in it and they just throw it all away right right it's all for naught number two pro athletes need a coach other than the team coach. Absolutely. True story. All right. Number three, Jerome the Bus Bettis is the hardest hitting running back you ever faced. <laughs> oh my God, boy. The bus stop. I, I call myself the bus stop briefly, but right, boy, right. I, but you but you paid for it. Oh man. Jerome, man, <laughs> one of the one a, a, a true pro. Yes. I'm absolutely true. Yeah, I love watching I used to love watching him on TV. As a as a commentator. And he also, he was the kind of guy that made you realize that being a superstar, it doesn't take all that. Mm. I didn't really know how big Jerome Bettis was until we played the New York Giants and we went to Childs. Mr. Childs, mm -hmm. we walked in. And you know New York got stars all over the place. And when they started clapping for Jerome Bettis, <laughs> I say, okay. <laughs> We have a different type of star right here. Right. And the most humble guy, I mean, he didn't care if you were drafted, undrafted, he treated everybody the same. Just small stuff like when I first got there, he said, don't go buy no car. Go to one of these dealerships. They love the Steelers. Give them two tickets to a game and they give you a car to drive. You keep miles low on your car. Just small stuff like that. that wow. You don't even think about. You're thinking about, I got to get a nice whip to fit into the parking lot with right. the rest of the time. But he driving a dealer car. Mm. Okay, Jerome, tell me that. You know, when I he took me to buy my first couple suits. You know, I'm like, I gotta get the pinstripe. I gotta get the draft suit. <laughs> Young fella, you get that pinstripe suit, you are gonna have to wear it one time. That's it. We gonna know you ain't gonna feel comfortable wearing that every other week. 
Huh? Get you a black suit, brown suit, gray suit, navy suit. The same price as that one pinstripe suit. Get you some white shirts. Get you 30 ties. Now you got a suit every week. Small stuff. So, you know, Jerome, man, he was he was a powerful running back, but even more powerful off the field. As so a man, I, I a true pro. True pro, absolutely. People that don't know the story, <laughs> they were in a practice, and Jerome came through the center, and uh, Chris quote unquote stopped him, but his shoulder is still still in pain to this day from that one from that one play. <laughs> All right. Number three, this one's a little controversial. I've asked it in the past, so I'm gonna see what you have to say. And is either BS or what now? Yes or BS. Yes or BS, yeah. Number three. Actually number four. Women are smarter than men. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Now, your wife's probably going to listen to this listen, podcast. Uh, I just want you to know that. So I'm, I'm going to go to common sense thing. I have this phrase about common sense. Common sense is only common to the person who has all the sense. So depending on what subject, women could be the smartest. There you go. I like it. I like it. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like, I like how you did that. You got, a, you got a future in politics, my brother. All right. <laughs> Number five, Kaepernick is misunderstood. Absolutely. No, he's not misunderstood. They don't want to understand. <laughs> you know, I, I, I touched on it briefly. I had a conversation with a, a with a, a Caucasian gentleman at the gym a few days ago. I gave him this and I left him with this. We were talking about, you know, politics, which I don't normally do because my eye get to twitching. And, you know, I, I'm, like, I'm about to suit back up. So I try to stay away. I gave him this, this, this uh, picture. I said, what size shoe do you wear? He mm. says, I'm a nine and a half. I said, cool. I said, I'm a 12. <laughs> I said, I can't fit my feet inside of your shoe without it being uncomfortable, without it hurting. But I put your shoe on. I tried to understand and see your point of view. My shoe is a 12. You got space for days, but you don't want to put my shoe on. I said, that's why you and I can't see eye to eye. I left like that. Now, Carbonet was clearly, absolutely clear on why he did what he did. Yes. Talked to a former NFL player, also from uh, Green Beret, I think. Uh, I can't think of the player's name at the time, but it was his former teammate. Told him, this is what would honor us and show respect at the same time for us. The vets. Kneel down on the flag. He clearly said that. First time he asked, why are you kneel on the flag? This guy who was my former teammate, also as a Green Beret, told me that this is a way that would honor the vets. That was clear. So he was not misunderstood. Just didn't, they didn't want to understand him. They turned the name. So there it is. There on it that. is. So that, 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 that is. Last one. Number six. Setting boundaries gets easier with practice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Boundaries get easier with practice as long as you're consistent. And as long as you're up front, you know, if you put all the expectations on the table from the beginning, you give a chance, you give a person a chance to choose, will they or will they not be a part of it? You know, I sent my kids to a private school. My wife and I had a long debate over this. I didn't go to a private school. She didn't go to a private school. But just like I said about my pros academy, we want what's best. The whole nine yards, not just some of it. I said, well, I would want my kid to get trained by a pro athlete. Why wouldn't I send them to a professional pro or hands-on private school? 
doesn't mean education is better here or there, but our studies show what we think, what, what society says, and the school is good. So we invested in that. I want, to, I want them to have the best. But that was a decision my wife and I made. Kids have no understanding of what private school is. They don't know if it's what the difference is. So if I have this expectation for me putting them in a private school for them to go to an Ivy school when they graduate, when they get a little older, I need to sit them down and talk about it. Because if I invest this type of money into them going to that school, and that's my expectation on the back end, I need to be clear about that with them because they have no idea. So what happens if they graduate and they say, Dad, I don't want to go to school no more, or I just want to go to work as a mechanic at Jiffy Lube, that's not going to sit well with me. <laughs> right. So if we talk about it and they have that expectation and they say, well, Dad, I don't know if I want to go to Duke or Yale or Harvard. That might not be the plan. I do want to go to college, though. So now that's my choice and my decision. Well, this is the trajectory I have for you going to this private school. This is the education they're giving you. This is the resources they're giving you. Let's maximize it by going here or there. If that's not your plan, now my wife and I can scale back and say, you know what? He wants to be an athlete and he just wants to go to a small division one school or he just wants to go to a, a HBCU or whatever the case may be. Not saying anything is wrong with any of those schools, but now at least we are on the same playing field of knowing what to expect. So I think boundaries are good and they, and they get better as you continue to grow. As you go. Yeah. I've gotten better at setting them as I've gotten older, but for me, they haven't gotten easier. Every time I have to tell somebody no, I still feel. Oh, a... so, so, now, see that, now I'm misinterpreting your question. Now, is it hard? To, the hardest part is setting the boundaries. Yeah, that's what I said. Like setting boundaries gets easier with practice. And for me, it hasn't gotten any easier. I've just got better at doing it. That's facts. I, okay. I, I thought you said the, the boundaries help the issues as they grow old. Oh, as, as yeah, yeah, yeah. Older, yeah, no. more into it. Okay. Setting boundaries are hard. Setting boundaries are absolutely hard. Absolutely. Because I, I said in the book, saying no to somebody you love is the toughest thing. You know, even even present time. My son wanted to go outside and play basketball. And I said, son, it's too cold. No, no, no. I want to go. I want to go. I don't want him to cry. I don't want him to get upset. And I want him to go outside and play. I take him outside. Now he got a cold. <laughs> so now it's like, I should have stuck to my guns. I'm trying to, now you're crying because you got cold. You can't have both. So the boundaries, drawing the boundaries, don't get any easier. Yeah, it does not. And I, I just want to make that point to people listening that it's not that this thing is supposed to be easy. It's just the right thing to do for your own health. It's really the only way that you can take care of yourself and the other. Even if the other doesn't know you're taking care of them, it's the only way to do it particularly when you're in leadership roles. And if you're a mother, if you're a father, you're a leader. Kennedy comes with leadership. Jay-Z. Jay-Z said that. Yes, sir. Well, Chris, I appreciate your time, man. This was fantastic. Tell the people how they can reach out to you if they want to learn more about the book, they want to buy the book, or they want to hear about, you know, once the um, Academy gets up and running, if they want to support. So my book can be found on www.prosebychrisoak.com. Don't go to Amazon directly because what I do for people purchasing my book, I, I sign it, I make it uh, personal, personalized. That's right, that's right. Got mine. <laughs> Got mine. You put that in there. Appreciate it. Even put my kid, <laughs> even put my kids in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> I personalize it. 
And then I also uh, may send a card, may send a photograph just for the support. But if you get it off of Amazon, some people have been selling books back. I didn't know that was a thing now, but they've read it and they sell it back. So if you get it from the Amazon person, maybe a cheaper price, but it won't be personalized to you. Right. So I, I had a few people reach back out to me and that didn't make me feel well, being that they supported the book, but they didn't get their name written in it. So go to www.prosebychrisope.com for that. And as far as my academy and other things, I'm working on websites to get going on that. So you can follow me at Hope 24 on Twitter and Chris P. Hope on, on, on uh, IG. I'm still trying to get used to that that social media life. It's, yeah. it's not something that I enjoy doing. Ask, ask your wife. She she know she knows about that. She can help you. If you want to <laughs> find, find me, follow her. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to end with uh, one of your favorites, Roman 5, 3, and 4. We glory in struggle, not knowing the tribulation, work, patience, perseverance, character, and hope. Yes, sir. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. I'm going to sign off as I always do. The truth will set you free if you let it.